close the stream and we're gonna go welcome but oh john's got a song in his heart today oh yeah we got a song in my heart we're going live in a couple <laughs> of moments here we're in trouble with hey we're in double di digits you know with the uh people and okay. double digits with the people got to give the people give the people give the people what they want what they want welcome did i say welcome now i'm going to say welcome to the 32nd episode of born in trouble i'm your host john x Pressing buttons and sound effects that nobody can hear on this YouTube recording. But it makes me feel better. Here with my illustrious guest late. Our normal starting time is at 10, is at 9.30. But we're late today due to somebody stopping for a massage before he got in. And we're not going to say who, <laughs> Mr. Brooks. Self-care is important. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> what did you say, Rob? Self-care is important. Self-care is important. That's yes, it right. is. Yeah, so the man stops. He takes care of himself. And he comes and he talks to us. And you can make your own mental pictures there. And, of course, from Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> home of what was once City Wings. Yes, sir. Used to be 2896 West Grand Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. We shut the doors officially. Um, but we'll be back, though. Fear not. We'll be back. You got you gonna bring it back? Mr. Brent Lancaster. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got a I got a couple of situations. I got a situation that I was looking at already that uh seems like it's gonna probably come into fruition. So, you know, about six months or so we'll probably be down. You guys so were not long. For what? 13 years. What? 13 years. Yep, 13 years. We opened we opened September 22nd of 2010 and we we shut the doors for the last time on December 22nd of 2023. And you know, people so people don't get the wrong idea it wasn't a matter of uh business or it was just a matter of uh, semantics here. And ended up Oh yeah. Using my yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's some leasing situation and you know employee situation and all like that. So we got to re we had to regroup a little bit because City Wings is world famous if you're from Detroit because oh, yeah. you know we ran into different people who actually knew City Wings from Detroit, Michigan, and it wasn't people that we actually paid to advertise. So you know, <laughs> right? <it's> important, <laughs> right? Important to know. Yeah. So, so, fellas, Rob, I know you're relaxed, ready to take a nap. How you doing? I'm just messing with you today, bro. You got me good all last week, Rob. You were don't, you were sharp last week, buddy. Don't get me don't get me started. Don't you were like started, a kid suit. You were like a I still am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that, mas that massage it gets your it gets your you know your mind right. You know, it gets everything sharpened up and shit. <laughs> Cowabunga dudes. See, look at that. It's always violence in the black community. Always violence. Why does it always have to go? Cowabunga is a surfing term. 
Cowabunga <laughs> is peaceful. You're That's thinking correct. about the, you think you're thinking about the Ninja Turtles use of Cowabunga. Yeah, well, I, I'm just thinking about the violence in the black community that's been going on. You know, we also Cat Williams. Have we seen Cat Williams? I didn't watch I, the whole thing. I, I haven't watched the whole thing. I got to admit, I, I've heard pieces of it. And yes, Cat woke up and chose violence. Yeah, I, I watched a lot of it. I watched a lot of it. And uh, uh, yeah, he was on one for sure. He was on one for sure. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Was it too much? Was it too much in your opinion? So I, I don't I don't know that I think it was too much. Um so a, a couple things. I mean, anybody that that talks, it was like two and a half hours. Anybody that uh consist that just talks kind of consistently for two and two and a half hours, you're gonna find some inconsistencies in what he said. So mm-hmm. You know that's a given people are people have been you know kind of eating that up but what i found interesting about the whole thing is that uh no one is really denying anything mm. there are there there are some people that have been saying they would fuck cat williams blah 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 but no one has said cat williams use a lot like cat williams mm. was like hey y'all niggas is lying Mm. <laughs> but, but they didn't come back and say, "No, nah, Cat Williams, you lying." Mm. Yeah, nobody and, said you, know, you got some... it wrong, Cat. This is really how it went yeah. down. Uh huh. Mm. Very interesting. Uh huh. <laughs> I I saw uh, Ice Cube kind of. He said something about it, and Ice Cube kind of took the the middle ground where he was like, "Look, that movie was twenty some years ago." You know, people's memories are not my memory may be different than somebody else's memory. So I can't really say, but I'm not gonna say that he was lying. So yeah. and, and, and that one, like that was one of the more like who effing cares who originally had the role, like who like that shit happens all the time in movies. Like you go in, you audition for one spot, you know, right. conversations right. happen, and all of a sudden you wind up in a different role, whatever. Like that's like yeah, that, that was like kind of a big nothing burger. Like for me, like yeah. that was, you know, the, the well, fact I that mean, he decided that he was going to expose Kevin Hart. Right. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Like, <laughs> look, wow. And how about, how about, you know, did you see the, the latest step in that? So supposedly Corey Hart is now joining Cat Williams's tour. Oh yeah. His wife is ex-wife. His ex-wife yeah. His first oh, wife really? is now, yeah. is now yeah. going to be on tour with Cat Williams. So wow, this is, you know, clearly he's decided, you know, to say fuck that nigga. Yeah. Violence. Wow. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, choosing violence there. Choosing violence. Well, you know, one thing, Rob. Of course, it doesn't matter much to you what happened with this, with um that, with that role there, because you weren't the one wearing the dress. But and I've only seen snippets. I'm not going to take time out of my day to actually search the video and see whatever. And I stopped looking at snippets probably two days ago. But one of the snippets I did see, and probably this is the last one, and maybe this is why I haven't seen any more snippets, was one with Ricky Smiley crying over that interview. He was like being interviewed, and they were asking him questions about it. And brother just broke down and started crying about what he had said about him being like, you know, he could play somebody in a dress. He ain't no man. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's like real. That's attacking you. That's attacking someone's manhood. Which look, I mean, entertainment is a. I mean, let's just call it what it is. It's a bitch ass business. You know, there's a lot of if you if you're a bitch ass nigga, and you want to conquer the world, that's a place where you can actually get through because there's a lot of back there's a lot of backbiting. There's a lot of uh, double talk. You know, it's one place where being two-faced is actually to your benefit, whether you be male, female, or identify as other or they. Um, It's just the atmosphere that it's in. So when you're expecting these people to actually be stellar people, it's really a a testimony to who Cat Williams is that he was able to keep his integrity in the business for all of those years. Yeah, that's that was the, that's the thing that impresses me about uh, Cat Williams is that uh, if what he's what he said was true, and I don't doubt it because I've heard him say it several times, he owns all of his own material, right? All of his videos, he, you know, hundred city tours, he does them, you know, every year or whatever. But the other thing about Cat Williams is that his kind of third party verifiers. Mm-hmm they they stand up for him you know what i mean so 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 if if i got a question about rob and i come to and i come to x about it depending on what x say may make make or break the deal right Mm -hmm. but as a third party verifier x gonna stand on it like look rob is rock solid boom 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 now Mm -hmm. i'm I'm gonna cut the deal cat williams like from what i've seen just just in you know little clippers because you know i don't i don't really be on there i just kind of p- people sh- will send me stuff about it his third party verifiers are all stand they all standing on it they all saying yeah. cat williams is that deal so well i want to read to read the out to um to y'all one comment that i was just looking at before while i was waiting uh for the show it's a post on a um, in a group. It says one gossiping disgruntled comedian shouldn't be crowned as an influential leader or spokesperson. Spokesperson, haters punch up. So essentially, what this person is saying is that Cat Williams is a hater towards people who are more famous and more successful to them. And this kind of go leads into what we were talking about last night, last week on this show with what is the definition of success in the black community? Is it really just based upon popularity? If Cat Williams, and who's to say that these other comedians are more popular than Cat Williams per se? You know, how do you quantify that? If they're all on the on the television and they all have specials going at one time, who are you watching first? Are you watching Cat Williams or are you watching Kevin Hart? I am one of the people who, you know, I'm sort of in camp cat in that, in this one instance in that, yo, I don't know anybody who thinks Kevin Hart is funny. Like, I think Kevin Hart is funny in movies. Like, I think he's, he adds levity to movies. But what little stand-up I've seen of his, I haven't finished one of his specials yet. Mm. Like, the dude cannot hold my interest. I can agree with that. I haven't seen it. What about you, Grant? Cat versus Kevin Hart. I'm I'm, going to go Cat, but I'm going to watch both. Okay. Because I I don't, you know, 
I'm a, I'm a comedy I'm a comedy like dude. So Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart is not super funny to me, but he's funny enough. Okay, so well, Kevin Hart is, but Kevin Hart. Let's if they if there's one yard, Kevin Kevin Hart is the big dog in the yard, right? He's the one. Uh, who depends, the, depends on uh, depends on how you're defining the yard. Because See, always, if you're if you're talking about tickets sold, that might, that's one way to define it. If you're talking about like who's gonna who's actually gonna kill the room, like who's gonna like when I think about comedians, I, I you know I like to go to the Comedy Cellar in New York. Like that's mm-hmm. anytime I'm in New York, if I got a window, I'll pop in there. You know the great thing is some nights you see some people. I was in there, uh, my daughter and I went Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. and. Out of the five comedians who hit the stage last night, that night, one of them was really cooking. The rest mm-hmm. of them were sort of struggling through the material. And to me, that's just as valuable, like to see people working and yeah. struggling, to see jokes Absolutely. not working. Like, I love to see that process. And Tev just ain't, you know, there's some folks at the cellar who I see at the cellar who nobody knows. You know, you see them in the background, like a That's Michael Chase show and stuff like that. There's some dudes right there just on straight comedy. You don't see faces, you just hear jokes. They'll blow Kevin out the water. Mm. But Kevin's got the big paycheck. He's got so, the big paychecks. But so how are we defining that success though? How are we how are we defining who's the big dog? I mean, in theory, Dave Chappelle is the big dog. Mm-hmm. Dave Chappelle is the big dog in comedy. Yeah. You know, Bill Burr is probably right behind him in terms of like just raw popularity because he's got a white mm-hmm. audience. Um, and Chris Rock is sort of a goat. Mm-hmm. Right, Chris Rock can do what he wants. Mm-hmm. So after those three, you know, Kevin ain't in that conversation. Well, let's break that down. Um, Dave Chappelle wants to do a movie. He calls up the studio. They pick up the phone. Do they write him a blank check? No, because he's, Dave, no. because he's Dave Chappelle, and although he's the king at this point, he's been coronated at this but, point. But he's done, he's done those shows in, in, in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. He's been selling out shows in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, bringing his boys in, bringing all kinds of comedy celebrities in. Like, if you're doing the shows in the middle of, in the middle of a cornfield in Ohio and you're getting, like, mainstream Jerry Seinfeld, Bill Burr, Dave Letterman to come and do 20 minutes on a stage in a cornfield in Ohio, the comedy world is coming right. to you. So no matter that he can't get a movie made just because he feels like it, well, and, that and dude this, is it. This is the other thing I would say about about a movie is that on on some level there has to be control of the person, right? On on, on some level, like you got to get them to show up on time, whatever whatever the control is. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I think that Dave Chappelle has proven that he is not a person that will be under control unless he chooses to be under control. Cat Williams is probably the same. Well, I mean, there was a window in Cat's career at one point where we thought Cat's career was over. He was like getting into fights with kids. Like right. he swears he ain't never done drugs. <laughs> he sure looked like a crackhead. Everything he was doing at that point in time sure looked like a crackhead to me. Right. Yeah, that's right. So, right. you know, and, that, and that's that's funny. That's that was sort of Kevin Hart's defense. Like, yo, you know, you're talking all this shit about me, but why don't you talk about the fact that you were that dude at one point? You were lined up for all this. 
and you chose to show up late. You right. chose not to do the promos, right. and you chose not exactly. to do where you're supposed to. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, it happens. Well, what I find interesting about this description, Kevin Hart, or um, basically what Cat Williams decided to do with striking out at so many people, is the defense is simply exactly what this guy said. Haters punch up. But are they above him? Are they no. really above him? They're above him. And what would define the difference between them, between Kevin Hart and Cat Williams? Let, let's just take Cat Williams out of it, between Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart. Dave Chappelle is at the top, but Kevin Hart is at the top of the financial platform. And that finance but, is given but, but to him. Not, but, but wait, wait, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. I know they're not competing. I know they're not. But but they are being compared though, because we're comparing Cat Williams to working to everyone else that he brought up in that in his uh, conversation with Shannon Sharp. So much so that everybody is still talking about it. But the point is though, Kevin Hart is only above him because he's got a Rolodex of other people who he can call to get money to get projects done to basically he can call on the gatekeepers to get his projects done and this gentleman right here who made this post sees that and views that as punching up that's the problem the perception that kevin hart is so far ahead of him forget about kevin hart who else did he say something about that would be considered to be above him in that in the conversation same give me above, one person above steve harvey him? maybe steve harvey all right steve harvey perfect example steve harvey. oh my god we had conversations about steve harvey on this show and i saw tony rock the goat's brother talking about talking about the exact same thing that we had went into detail about a year and a half a year and a half ago on this show when referring to steve harvey and wondering why Black America had decided that Steve Harvey was the man to get your dating and your marriage and your relationship advice from. A man mm -hmm. who has been married three times, whose current wife, as Tony Rock said, Tony Rock said his current wife was the lover of his previous wife. That's how they got together in Amen. Or at least that's how they got to know each other. That's Lori Mama. Right? That's Lori Mama. Mm -hmm. Right? These are the people that they are stating are above Cat Williams. Cat Williams is talking about God. Cat Williams is talking about integrity. Cat Williams is carrying himself with integrity. He did something. He's done something that, you know, when the comedians were talking about how many comedians he's actually put money into their pockets. Mm -hmm. That he was at the show just giving them a thousand dollars because he liked their set or because they're coming up. This is not just black comedians, it's comedians, period. But these men are viewed as being above Cat Williams by these people in our community who are looking and making metrics for which comedian is above each other. Well, so, but they're but they're using they're probably using the mainstream index. Like, right. I look at Cat Williams; it's almost like a um, uh, Tyler Perry. 
Okay. Like Cat Williams has done all this stuff within a black ecosphere. Mm-hmm. Like he's promoting his own shows. He's he, everything that Cat does, he owns, he controls. He's doing it within a black ecosphere, a lot like Tyler Perry did. Tyler Perry's a master fortune with hardly any white eyes upon him. And that's Cat mm-hmm. Williams' story for the most part. Like Cat had those early HBO specials and then he disappeared. His behavior got a little erratic. Um, but he persevered. He kept touring. He kept selling out shows. Like he just decided to fuck it. If they're going to hire me, I'll just do my own thing. And he kept doing his own things. But so you can see why people who are using sort of the traditional Hollywood metric, yeah, by that metric, absolutely Kevin Hart is above him. Steve Harvey, he's got, he had a talk show for years. He's the host of Family Feud. He's the king of comedy movies. Yeah, Steve Harvey's above him because he's using the traditional mainstream metrics. Just Main- same way. When you say mainstream, mainstream which is the mainstream, mean... mainstream meaning you're, you're basically crossing over to the white audience right. and having Money and access popularity. to that, to that portion, you know, the popularity that comes with now tapping into, you know, 60 something percent of the population. Mm. Do you think it's okay for black people to really be down on cat for telling the truth? Well, here's the thing. All of the guys who are in that room know how much truth cat was telling and how much hyperbole cat was spreading. Everybody got to speak their truth. I ain't going to hate on nobody for speaking their truth. Hold on a second. Go back to Grant. What did you say? Nobody is coming back and doing what? Nobody's. No, yeah, nobody's, nobody, 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 yeah, nobody's no, coming back and calling Cat a liar. Yeah. Nah. No, they're not. So, yeah, honestly, I, I just look at it like Cat Williams is, he's taking the hard way. And the hard way means the ethical way, which means, like he said, his goal was he wanted his booty hole to go out there and be untapped. And according to him, we'll just take his word for it like we will on the drugs. His booty hole is still untapped at this point in time. And we'll just move on. We'll just move on like from there. So thank you, Cat Williams, for entertaining the black community this week. With your conversations, thank you, Shannon Sharp, for allowing yeah, you no. to go on your podcast and breaking it down. And now that Cat Williams has been on that podcast, all of the mysteries within the Black community have been solved. We are done now. We're going to shut it down. <laughs> no, we're not going to shut it down. So, fellas, 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 how you doing? Big shout out this week to Mr. Gene Hopkins. Yeah, we're going to keep on mentioning you, bro. You will come back. We will find you. If we've got to get us some slave catches on your ass, we're going to find you. So, well, Gene Hopkins. He's, he's, he's in Georgia, so we know where to find some. We know where's to find some. And we know he can't sneak up 85 without being seen. He's going to get him. And of course, Mr. Reggie Red, Reggie Woodson, Reggie Wood. Big shout out. So I was on one today. Yes, I, I started to get on a, a conversation and have this conversation because um, I'm, I'm going to do this thing on a wisdom where basically I'm going to go back in history and show um, specifically all, all Americans, but especially specifically, 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 white America, how y'all did it. And when I mean y'all did it, I mean y'all did it without any help from nobody else. 
which means that y'all gotta fix it or don't either way but what the segment should be called is leave my black ass out of it that's right leave my black ass out of it i like so i've been going over these numbers and you know i had an i told you so moment and i don't go on facebook and argue with people anymore on my personal page um those conversations were all contentious but i did bring something up and there was a video that was posted up recently about what was going on in the world today and the fact that since 2001 25 to 40 percent of the um worlds of the united states wealth from the middle class down has been moved up the ladder and i don't know if you guys remember but back during the time of the early 2000s when people were getting homes utilizing those subprime mortgage otherwise known as ghetto loans there was a lot of blame being sent on to the black community about what they did and how they were how they were ruining the world and how they were actually trying to redistribute the wealth and i was like no 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 you silly people they're not redistributing the wealth to black people they're redistributing the wealth back to themselves and no one wanted to listen to it they didn't believe it they were like uh oh, you're so nuts and lo and behold comes out now 2023 after 08 25 to 40 percent of the country's wealth was lost during the great recession and moved upwards so congratulations to the one percent you have done a fine job in taking everybody's money and futures and hope hopes and dreams and killing them and um you know i guess it's not really that much of a point with it because it's just something that didn't age well like the iraq war with me all the stuff none of the stuff has aged well and when i look at these people you know i i was watching the big short you guys have seen that movie before right yes i have mm-hmm. and we we've, we've talked about it before and you know if i watch a movie once i'm, I'm gonna watch it a hundred more times so i could really get to understand it even more and better and I lived it, so it brings stuff back to me at that point. So I'm watching the show, and at the end of the show, they show these a family that was basically packing all their belongings up in a pickup truck, and two of the kids were in the back, and they were hugging each other, and it was obvious they had just lost their home. That's what they were portraying. And I was thinking about all of the that all of the insecurity that that generation of kids grew up with and what age they are now, which is essentially between the ages of coming into their 20s and in between 20 and 30. That's what they experienced was insecurity and unhappiness. Um, Families breaking up, tough times. It's a different world than what we live in. So I'm just... Yeah, I don't really have a, I don't really have a question and I kind of like wore myself out today, just like going on that, onto that app. And I don't know why I do that on these when I have my show, but it's just like, you talk about all these things and it just wears you down and it just makes you realize how hopeless it is because I knew exactly what was going on then. 
I had a page on Black Planet where I had hundreds of thousands of people. Um, I posted my stuff there. I would talk. I would write blogs and things like that. And nobody listened. Nobody cared. It's like they were too aloof. So what makes you think that anybody's going to care now, John? I don't think they are. I don't think they get. Why do you you take the the point of view that, you know, that hope is gone? I think the point of hope that hope is gone is simply because we're heading into another election cycle and people are really, really starting to get amped up for that election cycle. We have an 80-year-old president who obviously is losing his shit every day and probably should be challenged. And they won't challenge him because it's about power. And they feel like they have the best chance of keeping power and keeping things the status quo by keeping him in there. And he's being run against by a guy who's a robust 78-year-old, depend-wearing, diaper-wearing guy named Trump, two years younger. And no one in this country thinks that there's, that there's a problem with that. And my biggest problem I, with I think lots of people think there's a problem with that. But nobody's doing anything about it. Nobody's interested in doing anything about it. Nobody's trying, no one's sitting up there saying, hey, look, if this, it's either one or the other. You got 25% of that base is cleaning their guns. They're cleaning their guns. And out of that 25% that's cleaning their guns, probably about 8 or 10% of them will actually possibly hit the streets and actually try to do something about it. They won't last long. They're going to go down in a blaze of glory. And that'll be it. That'll be just a different, it'll be a different dynamic and everything. So when I look at the situation, we're just going to be in the same nowhere place. 45%, we spent $15 trillion on wars since 2001. We got nothing to show for it, bro. Yeah, we do. Record profits in the defense industry. Yeah, record That's numbers of record numbers of young men coming home coming home from overseas mauled by um, explosives, IEDs, right? IEDs, right? Record numbers of soldiers killing themselves every day. We got a lot to show for it. Not just soldiers, record numbers of people, and people. I, and I think that's the that's the bigger. That's the bigger part of the equation is that the the general population is suffering more than it probably ever has. And I mean, you know, we're everybody is a victim. There's no one, there's no one that's exclusively a victim. We're all victims of victims, right? So we've all experienced some trauma, blah, blah, blah what we what we have now are people who cannot deal with anything they cannot accept things the way that they are they cannot take criticism they you know what i mean like everything has to be perfect and in this society you can't function like that right. and that, that to me that's the bigger issue so the the people that are electing whoever they're electing the people that are doing the electing are so damaged that the elected person probably is not going to be the right person if there is a right person. You see what I mean? Yeah. I 
part of that is like the conversations that they're having right now. You look at how much work has changed um, with AI and even just going into the office. And you have people that are receiving salaries who really don't do much every day. You know, there are people who work in these industries and they know it. They know that they clock in, they went to the right college, they got the right degree, they clock into work, they work, quote unquote, about an hour every day, and they turn their computers off. I had a thought process just yesterday. I was watching a show, and what happened during the show is they were showing a workspace, and in the workspace where you walked in, it was like a party. It was like a young millennial party. They had everything going on. They had um, pinball machines and all these different fun things. And and the, the better half said, hey, I that how's that even work? What type of work environment is that? And if you think about it, really, what type of work environment is it? Are people do it? People actually really need to work in order to keep the cogs of the machine going. And I would think that at this point, Probably the answer to that is no more than ever. Even going to the docks, you've got electric, you have you have machines that are taking away, that are taking all the stuff. We're we're the hard men. We don't hard men are seen as quote unquote toxic, but nobody needs hard men anymore. You don't need tough guys down on the docks to lift stuff. Nah. You know, you know how you know this the saying is strong men create or hard times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy times create weak men, weak men create, men create hard, hard times. times. And you and you write back. So eventually, hard men will probably come back in some probably not the way that they were before, but they'll come back. And when they come back, they'll make everything easier. Right. And then, it, you know, the cycle will continue right now. We just in that downward slope where we're in we're in fairly easy times. But easy times mean I think easy times mean means like on a physical level, the times are easy. Right now, what we have is there's a mental component. That we have no idea what the effects of it are with everything, everybody being on 24 seven with a constant bombardment of information and not use not useful information mostly useless information you know what i mean like you're constantly being bombarded with it people can't and people can't detach from it that's really what the problem is and you can't detach from it that's why sickness disease that's why every everything is becoming so prevalent in a younger age because without rest the body can't heal. Body can't do its work. So we're we're inviting disease. We're inviting COVID. We're inviting cancer. We're inviting diabetes, heart attacks. We're inviting all of that stuff with all of this, all of this constantly being on. The brain can never shut down. You setting your you sleeping with your phone under your pillow. What are you doing? Mm. Just my opinion. Yeah. Well, are you right on? Go ahead, Rob. You got something else to no, add? No, no, Grand, he nailed it. I mean, that's life in America was very easy for a long time. For a long time. And now we've gotten caught up in this service economy, this developing service economy. We worshiped 
you know, remember the, the and I'm going to forget his name now, but the guy that ran GE before Jeffrey Amell, um, Jack Welch. Jack Welch. Jack Welch. You know, everybody. He was heralded as a genius, as an innovator, as a man who was writing the ship in American business. And basically, he wrote the playbook on how to decimate American business. General, General Electric was once a very powerful manufacturing company. It's not anymore. It's more of a finance company than anything else these days. Mm -hmm. Everything has become about money. So even these, these jobs where they're, you know, they're trying to get these coders in. They're trying to get these kids in to come and work at these places, and they make it as easy. Hey, look, it's going to be great. You're going to have fun. You're going to come to work. You're going to have free lattes. You know, you can have, you know, we'll have happy hour at 5 or 4.30 every day, and, and you play pinball, and America is very easy. But now, like Grant said, some hard times coming, and folks are going to have to toughen up. Part of that whole mental piece, and I think that's the really the piece that we need to get into more is the mental piece. And that was kind of my point with the whole going back to um, Cat Williams before with how he's he's lower than the tonal pole with money. But let's be honest, the brother's got a lot of money. He's made a lot of money. He just makes it on the he just makes it on the quote unquote the new Chitlin circuit that he actually created for himself. Yeah. But that's the whole argument about segregation before in the 60s, Chitlin circuit paid pretty well. Because one thing that we can do is we can consume, we can spend money. But the problem is, though, the problem is, though, with the valuation of people, the valuation of what this guy was saying is that you punching up, you're punching up at the guy that actually like he was able to kiss the guy's ass and get the contract. He's the Steve Harvey of this motherfucker. You're the Cat Williams. The Cat Williams has his integrity, but the Steve Harvey has his money has the paycheck. The Steve Harvey, the Cat Williams isn't interested in the X, Y, and Z, but the Steve Harvey is having sex with two women and divorcing one and marrying the other one after it's done. Well, so, I mean, at least he didn't throw them both out. Like, that's that's honorable right. in some ways. I mean, I guess. You know, speaking from, coming from someone who probably would never do that, Rob. <laughs> See, you thought I was going to get you, didn't I? You thought I was going to come at you, but I didn't come at you. But listen, I mean, yeah, of course, you, you, it would be rude to kick him out of bed. You have to at least give him a chance to make you coffee or something, right, Rob? Is that what you were saying? You I, I, read this thing, I, I, I read this thing this morning, and it was I, I, it amused the shit out of me, but it's some guy, and he's like, so last night I had a one-night stand. I wound up at this chick's place, you know, and we smashed. We fell asleep. We woke up again this morning and we smashed. And then she said to me, do you want to play a game? And she, I was like, yeah, game, sure. Why not? She's like, let's play airplane. He's like, airplane? Like, that's kind of like, that sounds kinky. Like, what's that? You know, what's, what's up with that? Let's do that. And she's like, okay, take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is up. You know, ladies is pimps too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ladies is pimps too. That's the truth. Yeah. Until they're not. Until, until they're, they're not. not. Until mm. that until that, until they catch feelings. Uh-huh. Well, we all catch feelings. That's the problem. Oh, Everyone feels we're humans. Yeah, we're humans and the other generations. I'm just starting to really appreciate other generations before us. 
Because they were so much smarter in so many different See, I ways. I, I don't know if that's the truth, though. Well, and not in always. Like, I'm not saying like, it was always. Like the system, the system, the system is evolving. Like for the most part, the cats in our generation and a little bit forward, meaning all, a little bit older, were raised by a bunch of dudes who had gone to war, come back, had PTSD. Except there was no such thing as PTSD back then. Right. They, none of them talked about it. They were all shell shocked. None of them talked about it. They kept that shit to themselves until they drank and blew up. Mm. And then they, you know, the house rattled for an hour or two. And then everybody, they passed out. And we woke up in the morning. They went to work and everything was fine again. Like, so let me concede that those, those, people, those, those people aren't in that category of being, you know, better. It but, wasn't but, better for no, them. But, I mean, but, uh, but for a lot of us, I mean, but for a lot of, that was a large portion of the American population. Like, the growth of the middle class was fueled by World War II veterans coming home and using the GI Bill to buy houses and get education. Right. Like, that's what built America. Those are the people. The greatest generation, as Tom Brokaw liked to call them. Those dudes didn't talk. They went to the VFW hall, sat, and drank on a bar stool for six hours until it was time to stumble home. Mm -hmm. Like, the generation ahead of us wasn't any smarter than we are. Mm -hmm. We're not any dumber than they are. The game has changed a little bit, and how we've handled the kids, we've tried to make it easy for our kids. Well, but listen, like, just a lot of a lot of the a lot of the blame with the youth is ours. It's our fault because we've All right, done but this even but even within that, but I'm going to even take something. I'm going to pull something out of the scenario you just gave to us. Mm -hmm. Those guys, they went to the VFW hall. They sat there at the stools. They drank, and then they went home. Right? Mm -hmm. Where's the VFW hall for these guys? There is none. Yeah. So, so what they're doing is they're so what they're doing still BMW is halls. Not, but it's it's not the same though. It's not because it's like not you know what if they stumble as it used to be. Yeah, exactly. So if that guy stumbles out, you know, because that he gets generation pulled over, knew, he goes to jail. Right. That generation knew that you know what this guy he went and he fought a war. There may be something wrong with him up here. There may be something. We're gonna give him a little bit of grace. Now what we get is we get police officers pulling those guys over on the side. And some, and sometimes not all police officers, but just some of them, just looking at it like this is an opportunity for me to, oh, this guy's a vet and everything. Maybe he's trigger happy. This is an opportunity for me to get my clean shoot. And instead of coming home and being revered and being protected, this is the type of this is the type of aggression that they face in one way or the other, which is the reason why suicide amongst these people that are coming back from these wars is at an all-time high. Like you said in the beginning of the show, every day, another veteran is taking his life. Every couple minutes, a veteran is taking his life. That's the point. So it's like even so it's like the value system. And why? Because they come back. The GI Bill doesn't go far anymore. Well, what are you going to go to college for the GI Bill? All your friends are Trumpers. And they're telling you going to get an education is the worst possible thing you can do. What do you need an education for? So now you got this bill and you went and you got this GI Bill. But and even if you go out there and you get that degree, you get done with that degree. It's not going to be a job for you that's going to pay. You know, a lot of these people go out and they get these degrees and then they come out, you start, you start with that GI Bill isn't enough to pay for all of your tuition, just a portion of it in many cases. 
So a lot of times you're still coming out with student debt. And then you go in and you're looking for a job and the jobs that you're getting aren't living wage jobs. So you can't win. You're fucked everywhere you go. Every place you turn around, you're basically fucked. And this is coming after a childhood of insecurity because some rich motherfucker decided that he wanted to write a piece of paper and write another piece of paper and write another piece of paper and another piece of paper based upon $1, taking that $1 and turning it into 100 and giving it to 100 of their friends and just took your fucking future. You're not valued. And then you go into your community and you do things in your community and your community tells you, you know what? I don't value you as much as the guy who fucking sold out because he's got all the money. We're not a democracy any longer. It's not, if it's a democracy, it's a functioning, it's a, it's a different form of a functioning democracy that is as close to a um, communist system as you're going to get without it actually being a communist system. I have a serious problem. What I had today is now it's coming to me as I'm, as I'm talking to you. And this is why I'm so happy that I have my brothers and everything, because y'all helped me to bring this stuff out and what was actually going on in my mind. And the thought process that came to me was that with all of these different things that are going on in this world and this these changes and everything, it's, it's not good. It's just not good. You know, for me to if I if I go any further deep into the rabbit hole, we're gonna go so far over the time for the show that it, it would be like it would be ridiculous. I was on the phone from seven to eight thirty with someone we're all familiar with. I ain't gonna say his name right now, because uh, he, he's he's a, but he's had um he's a career military person and he's had a friend each of the last three months commit suicide. A former, two of the guys were people that he served with and trained with, and another guy is someone who he had trained with and had served underneath one of the other guys that committed suicide. Like, one committed suicide in November, one committed suicide in December, and the third guy was like, fuck it, all my friends just killed themselves. What the fuck am I doing here? And then he killed himself. And one of them was a relative of his. Um, decided to take a walk off a off a tenth floor balcony. Um, you know, there is a there has been a um, a glorification of service in this country and patriotism that has been paid for by the American government. And the real crime is that we have not committed the resources to these people who choose to go and serve. Like, we should be giving those people whatever they need. The person that I talked to today was like, dude, I'm scared because three of my people, I didn't see it coming. He said, one of these guys I talked to two days before he died, we were laughing and yucking it up. You could not see a fucking thing wrong with him. Yeah. And then two days later, and this guy actually, he hung himself. But if he had just, he was close enough to the ground that if he had just stretched his toes out, he'd have probably lived. 
Like he made it, he made the choice to hang himself and then made a second choice once he was dangling, like not to save himself. He didn't, he, he technically screwed up because he could have, he could have put his toes on the ground and that would have taken enough pressure off. He was close enough to the ground when they found him that he could have done it. And he purposefully made the second choice not to save himself. So my man was like, yo, I'm nervous. Like, what the fuck? Like, where's my breaking point? Like, I didn't see their breaking point coming. What if I'm close to my breaking point? He called the VA. He's waiting for the VA to get back to him. Yeah. You know, because life, because life is pain right now. Well, life but, is pain. Life is pain. But our government is pain because our government is not the same way that we throw money at the Ukraine. We'll, we'll throw money at, at Israel. Same way we'll throw money. Because we got to prevent war, we should be paying for everything these guys need to make them whole when they come back. Well, let's talk about the usefulness of the U.S. soldier for a second. And this is by no means. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's being censored. I think the the man is censoring him. Yeah, we lost you again. We lost you. If he if he were to reach into his pocket right now and pull out a fucking stack of quarters, that would be the best thing ever. But he ain't gonna do it. Can y'all hear so, me? So while while Can you, oh, we, yeah, we yeah, heard yeah. that. Okay, yeah, so I'm back. back. All right. So I kind of figured it out. The man always tried to stop my. They always tried to stop my momentum, and everything. That's what said. Yeah, it, it just it just goes down that way. But um, and I think they did the a American good soldier. Job. The American soldier. And this is a this is by no means any knock on anyone. I don't necessarily I don't agree with the wars. I, I there's not been a war that the United States has went into that I didn't say before they left it was a mistake. I was one of the few people that said no Iraq. That's a dumb fucking move. Those people aren't in Iraq. It was Saudi Arabia. And everybody else was like gung ho, go America, and everything. But at the same time, I don't fault the soldiers for going in. They're following orders. A lot of them come from places where. They didn't have much hope. They didn't have much money. A lot of people joined the military because that's the options. It's either go work at the grocery store or go join the military. And a lot of them went to the military hoping for something different. A lot of people go to the military and they succeed. They have very help, long, happy careers and different things. Some become police officers, correction officers, things of that nature. You're just paying your family. They're paying for their families. Once again, though, what they do on the job and the stuff that they do to the, when dealing with the public, I don't know. So I can't judge it. So I, I don't just do the bootstrapping thing. I don't know what you do at work when you have unlimited power and everything. But my point being is that a lot of these people came through these times and came to these situations from that uncertainty of 2008 on, of parents that didn't have jobs, of moms that were looking to better deal dad and basically said, told you that everything that you had seen as a little kid about love was not true because guess what, Bob? There we go again. We lost you again. Can't talk bad about love. I can talk bad about whatever I need to, hopefully. You got me back? We're going to get you to watch the – yeah, we got you back. We're going to get you to watch some Hallmark Christmas. Yeah, but basically – no, but what – but listen, I'm a believer in love. You know, I'm a lover. I'm a lover, matter of fact. But um, I'm a lover and a fighter. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, but right on, and right on with that one. But um, the deal is – the deal is these people, they took the value system – 
and they changed it on the fly. And they changed it while dumbing down people. And it just doesn't fit anymore. You know, yeah. you can't, they no one can actually have a conversation it. about morality anymore. No one can have a conversation about ethics anymore. You can't because as soon as you open up your mouth, you're fucked up in the game. Because right. most people so, aren't ethical. But he, so, so here, here, here's what, here's what, where I think the rubber meets the road is that in, so let's, let's just kind of harken back to the seventies, right? In the seventies, what you had pretty much was your family, your community, your job. Right. That's pretty much what you had. As, and just as an average person, that was pretty much what you had. You took care of you, you went to work every day, you took care of your family, you had kids, blah, blah, blah. The world has gotten so much bigger. Right. It's it's not that it's not that we're smarter than they are. It's not that they were smarter than we are. We're human beings are still human beings, right? But the, because the world has gotten so much bigger. The amount of intrinsic information that we have is is bigger than the amount of intrinsic information that they had because they didn't have to deal with half of the shit that we have to deal with, right? And it's just stuff that we have to know just in order to survive, right? So you couple that. So with the growth of the world, now all of a sudden, family is not the most important thing anymore. If family is unimportant, now community is unimportant. If community is unimportant, if family and community are unimportant, where do you get the support that you need in order to be a productive member of this society? And are you really a member of the society or just somebody doing their own thing at that point? Right. Like I, I look at, you know, sort of my arc uh, and my family arc, like, my mother's family, the options, once upon a time, even if you went to college, you came back home and then whatever. There wasn't as much mobility. Right. I'm in Philly, Ryan's in Miami. My mother's in South America. My one mother's brother is in Ecuador. His kids live in three different states. Uh, my other cousin, his dad's in New Jersey. He's in Kentucky. His mother's in Kentucky with him. His sister's in Long Island still. My other cousin, they're all over the globe. Like, and then the Brookses, Corey's in, Corey's in Carolinas, Sabrina's in New Mexico, Ryan's in Miami, I'm in Philly. Only Jerome's group stayed sort of intact. Those guys are all right near each other. They're still around the area, they grew up, whatever, and they have sort of done a more traditional upbringing. But mm -hmm. you can bounce now in so many different ways and it doesn't cost you. Like 30 years ago, if you moved away from your people, you were alone. Right. So you had to make community because you were alone. Now you can get on the phone and you can get on FaceTime and you can connect with your folks and still think and still be connected enough that you don't think you're alone on the planet. So even though you're not connected to this community, you're sort of connected to that community, but you're not beholden to that community anymore because you're over here now. Like, yo, y'all can do whatever you want. I'm a thousand miles away. Make a big as mess, a big mess right. you want. I'm over here. So y'all do what you got to do. Whereas if you were still there, when they get messy, you might go in the room and call a timeout. Like, excuse me. Like, when did we become those people? Mm. Well, what are we beholden to now? We're beholden to the invisible boss. Make it, making money. 
making mm-hmm. money and the algorithm and the algorithm and the algorithm only tells you about people that you know and people that agree with you well and the algorithm just feeds you more of the content that makes you like so and you'll also keep, right. you'll keep watching and also steers you in a direction that keeps you safe I don't mean safe for you, as in safe and comfy. I mean safe for the algorithm, for right. the designers. Right. So here, here, here's the question, and and I and I heard this from uh, Neil deGrasse. What what's the probability that we are not in a simulation, right? And his example was: there's probably we're probably a simulation by some alien kid in his basement right <laughs> and when like when peace when everything is calm and everything is good the parents can call that kid up for dinner but then when he comes back down when he come back down and he see everything going good and he decides to throw a marble on the you know what i mean like he throws a marble on the, on the thing and creates some chaos <laughs> right so what's the likelihood that we're not just in a simulation? You know what I mean? Let's like the, the whole multiverse thing. Yeah, the whole multiverse thing. Like it's all. I believe in the multiverse. It could all, yeah, it could all be real. I, I actually happen to believe in the multiverse myself because I've woken up many different times in a different or slept in, traveled to what, I, what would seem to be to be a different reality. Same me, sort of, but different realities. And just it just is. I but that's a that's another conversation for another podcast. I'm all about it. I believe in it. Yeah, look. Yeah, I believe you create your reality. I I agree with that. I actually believe that you can talk your reality into existence. And I believe that you know you basically some people are stronger than others in that. Uh, stronger than others in that ability and um, others are weaker. And I always wonder what just happens. We're all just souls inhabiting these bodies. You look at these bodies and the science behind it, it's just so, it's just so deep. It's amazing. The simulations, not to, not to rapidly uh, change directions, but how, how, uh, how impressive is it? that the NFL was able to get Matt Stafford to come back to Detroit with the Rams to play against uh, Jared Goff, who he got traded for. You know what I mean? Like, so they swapped teams and now they're playing in the playoffs. And then they also have uh, the cheetah Tyreek Hill going back to Kansas city to play, to play in the playoff game. How, how, uh, so how can we not, possibly believe that we're in a simulation <laughs> because that shit that shit is scripted like a motherfucker dog i don't care what they say i don't know about simulation you that might that might be something that they called uh back in the days the fix um, <laughs> right if you watch some of these right. referees and some of these games and some of these sports i mean there's no possible way they can't have it in you know, for, for some teams and certain teams and the point spreads, you see guys getting ready to run away with a game and everything all of a sudden, tripping, yeah. you know, and you got five guys on this side of the court, 
one guy tripping on his feet over his feet on the other side of the court, and all of a sudden it's a foul. It's a penalty. Right. You know, it's yeah. like there's there's definitely something to be said for that. Fellas, man, we've actually reached an hour already. Man. Yeah, love mo. All right. Man, time flies when you're having fun. And when you're Cat Williams. You know. Seemingly. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I ain't mad, I ain't mad at Cat. I'm never mad at Cat. Because, like, you know, Cat is a man after my own heart, like, honestly speaking. Because, like, you know me, I, I've, I've said some very fucking rough truths to people that have people still pissed off to me at me 30 and 40 years later. And all I can say to those people right now is, you're welcome. Born in trouble. 32nd episode. <laughs> <laughs> from detroit the city wing king still that's mr. right that's right mr grant Lancaster. always good to see you brothers man always good so listen now that the spot is shut down are you letting the amish girls out anytime soon or yeah, they, they 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 gonna they gonna get a uh they're gonna get a vacation, a little stay of uh Rob Springer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Based they'll they'll that. they'll get a few weeks off. Once we get yeah. the other spot situated, then uh you know they'll have to come back home. That's right. It's an Amish film, Mr. Grant Lancaster. And of course, from New Jersey, parts unknown, Mr. Not Brooks with anybody. the books. What up? Uh, not what, bothering what? anybody. I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 listen, bro. I just, I just said, Mr. Brooks. See, look, bro. I, did I say anything, bro? No that, knives, yeah. man. No knives. Mr. Brooks with the good looks. Rob Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. And I pour one out. For those of us who aren't here, but I'm indoors and I just have to pick it up and clean it. So just imaginarily pour one out for Mr. Gene Hopkins, Mr. Reggie Red, Reggie Wood. And for everyone who's listening and watching this live on the stream, let's see who's watching this live on the stream. Oh, no one. Okay. So we're good. Born in trouble, fellas. We'll catch you next week for the 33rd episode. Peace. Yes, sir. Peace. Peace.